Roll sound, Scotty. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Stinking Paul's podcast with Scott, and I nearly said with Liam then. Hello, Paul. Sorry, mate. How dare you? <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I know you can't see me. I but... know, but also it's this, I don't know, it's being confined to barracks, mate, isn't it? That's, <laughs> I'm not thinking straight. I'm Stir crazy. Yeah, I haven't been out for five days. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> another another couple of weeks of this old rubbish. At oh, least. At yeah. least. Do you think this will become a regular thing, me and you Skyping? Um, only while this is on. I, 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 yeah, I, I do miss actually getting together and, and having a drink with you. Yes, <laughs> yes, and um, especially the after-recording um, yeah. silliness. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's more of a social event, isn't it, our podcasting mm. activities? The, the, the actual talking about the movies takes sort of second stage, doesn't it, compared to what we got <laughs> up to? <laughs> yeah. the, the, the recording is the sober part. Yeah. Or semi-sober. Well, put it this way: sometimes we could be sitting in your flat for nearly twelve hours. Mm, yeah, um, and then that would only consist of what a couple of hours of recording. The rest of it would be yeah. playing silly board games or computer yeah. games or cards. Or <laughs> I was going to say, and Scott's favourite last words are: "I'm going to leave early tonight." I'm going to leave I'm early recording. tonight. Yeah, <laughs> two o'clock comes. Shit, I better go. I'm still there. I'm still there because I've got a, a real Britannia to record the following morning. Yep. Yeah, we've learnt. We've learnt. Yeah, this isn't going to be a regular thing, but it's it's a means to an end at the moment, just to keep some content out there and to keep a bit of social interaction going with you, mate, as yeah. well. To be honest, otherwise, yeah. Well, we're all in together, aren't we? Keeps You're... our keeps mm. our listener happy. That that's that same listener, yes, that's demanding. You know, new episodes. Um, yeah, we'll just we'll just keep doing this until until we don't have to anymore. Mm. Um, there may be the occasional one where we we record a future episode, but as it stands at the moment, this this is only temporary until normal service resumes, isn't it? So, okay, my choice today, back to nineteen seventy seven, massive movie from Steven Spielberg. It's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Before we go into it, did you see this at the cinema when it first came out? No. You've never seen I, it on a big screen? I would have been seven when this came out. Mm. Um, I can't recall going to the cinema much at that age, apart oh, from Star Wars and Greece, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the year before. Star Wars was... Yeah. Oh, Star Wars was 77. Yeah. Yeah, and Greece and was the year Greece. after. Yeah. Mm. Um, no, I would have seen it probably the first time they showed it on telly a few years later. Yeah, that's my first viewing of it. So similar experience of a history of watching it. Okay, let's play the trailer. It's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We'll be back after this. Close Encounters of the First Kind 
sighting of an unidentified flying object. Close encounters of the second kind, physical evidence of a UFO. Close encounters of the third kind, actual contact. Columbia Pictures, in association with EMI, presents Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The director is Steven Spielberg, whose most recent motion picture, Jaws, is already a legend. The producers are Julia Phillips and Michael Phillips of The Sting and Taxi Driver. Creating special effects is Douglas Trumbull, who in this film goes far beyond his achievements in 2001 A Space Odyssey. For the music, there was only one choice, 11-time Academy Award nominee John Williams, composer of the scores for Jaws and Star Wars. The technical advisor is the world's foremost authority on unidentified flying objects, Dr. J. Allen Hynek of Northwestern University. Heading the cast is Richard Dreyfus, who has shown his rare talent in such diverse films as American Graffiti, The Apprenticeship of Duty Kravitz, and Jaws. And making his American debut as an actor is the great French director Francois Truffaut, winner of the 1974 Academy Award. A close encounter could happen to anyone. It could happen to you. It does happen to Roy Neary. An average working man, Neary finds his life, his very world, changed. Who are you people? We have very little time, Mr. Neary. We need answers from you. They're honest, direct, and to the point. Who are you, Have people? you fait récemment une rencontre? Have you recently had a close encounter? I want to speak to someone in charge. Une rencontre plutôt inhabituelle. I want to lodge a complaint. A close encounter with something very unusual. What the hell is going on around here? Who the hell are you, people? The title of the picture, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, refers to an intriguing possibility. Well, a close encounter of the first kind is one is close, but nothing really happened. The close encounter of the first kind is visible contact with a UFO. Forget the shape and forget how fast it's going. It's something that you just can't explain. Close encounters of the second kind are those which leave a physical trace. Holes in the ground, fern rings, broken tree branches, telephone lines down, animals disturbed, the stopping of car engines. Then the close encounters of the third kind are the most interesting of all. Close encounter of the third kind is really when you meet them. of the third kind. The experience of an ordinary man shared by people from all over the world, irresistibly drawn by a compulsion they don't understand. To witness the most dramatic event in the history of the human race. And what you will see has never been seen before. Indiana town and leads to one inescapable conclusion. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, released on the 14th of December 1977 in the USA, directing as we say, directing, directed as we said by Steven Spielberg, starring Richard Dreyfus, Francois Truffaut, Terry Garr, Melinda Dillon. The mighty Bob Balaban is in this movie. Oh, who's he? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Balaban, who's, whose name is, is proudly 
above the, the this studio here, the Balaban Sound Studios. Uh, this is probably only the second Balaban movie we've covered in seven years of Stinking Paws. <laughs> for, for a man that's been very important to the legacy of this, this, this podcast, <laughs> this is only his second movie. We'll talk about him. We'll have to. Um, I'm going to talk to you uh, very briefly about a guy called Roberts Blossom as well. Who? What? Yeah, uh, he's in it, and I'll, I'll point him out, and then I'll point out a role that you'll probably know him better for. Synopsis very briefly on IMDb says Roy Neary, an electric lineman, watches how his quiet and ordinary daily life turns upside down after a close encounter with a UFO. This was the big budget UFO movie. The seventies were the UFO obsessed era, wasn't it, mate? Do you remember it was it was a big thing, wasn't it, UFOs? Yeah, and it, I mean it carried on with Spielberg again in the early eighties with like ET and that. Um, but yeah, it was very much when I think it was when sci-fi came to life more because they suddenly had the ability to make things look good or, yeah. or real, more realistic than sort of ships on strings. <laughs> yeah, those flying saucers exactly is what they were, weren't they? They were plates on plates on strings. But even in general, I think there was a bigger interest in this sort of. Thing thing i know the 50s was the big time for the you know when flying saucers were first being reported but i remember i don't know if you'd remember being that little bit younger than me there used to be a tv show and they've just remade it and you've probably watched the remake it used to be on sort of like wednesday afternoons on itv it was called project blue book i don't recall that but i have seen one of the episodes of the new series what's it like mate is it any good uh no it's not okay (laughs) (laughs) Because I remember the original, and it was fascinating. It was, it was you know, genuine UFO reports from mm. from this, you know, this blue book of, of reported incidents, and it was about the military personnel that went to investigate them, and you, you were sort of left making up your own mind whether they were true or not. So there was a lot of interest, you know, the late seventies for this sort of UFO activity, and. With the big budget, with a big name like director, but with a big name director like Spielberg, this is the perfect vehicle for him, basically, mate, isn't it? You know, this big budget sci-fi action movie, conspiracy theories, everything's all chucked in here. Yeah, yeah, there, there was um, it, it was a long time coming though, because I mean, he he thought about doing this just before he actually done Jaws. Okay. Um, so he had the idea for quite some time. It, it took like four years almost to go from the, the first sort of put to the studios and to actually get it to come true. And uh, he only got so much of his budget because of the success Jaws. Yeah, well, that was a massive hit for was it Paramount? The um, was the studio that was you no know, the technical problems. Um, and he just turned it around completely, didn't he? You know, he's, he's mm. one of the biggest grossing movies of all time for, for until, well, certainly until Star Wars came along. You watched this first time on TV, you'd have been about 11. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. And well, even then, I probably watched it because my older brothers were watching it. Oh, it wasn't something that would have appealed to you um, instantly? No, I don't think so, no. See, I remember no. not going to the cinema to see it, and a lot of school friends did, and going on and mm. on about how brilliant it was. And I was like, oh, gutted that I hadn't seen it. So when it came on the TV, uh, I think it might have been a Saturday evening, you know, like the big Saturday night movie on ITV. Mm. And a lot of my family are sitting there watching, mum, dad, a couple of my brothers and that. And my stepbrother was there, Ray, and he was the only one that had seen it. And... It starts off in the desert with the planes being returned, doesn't it? That's how it begins. Yes, yeah. So I'm watching that, and I'm sort of scratching my head, and then you get the opening credits, and it's all these disjointed scenes that don't seem to make any sense. Yep. And my sort of 11-year-old brain is like, well, what's what's this? You know, there's the bit in Mexico, he says, you know, the sun came out and it sang to me. We get the bit a little bit later on in India where... All the crowds are singing the tune, the famous tune. Mm. Um, and all these bits, and he's saying, stick with it. Just stick with it. It'll all make sense. 
okay. And it what it, it does, obviously, it all pieces together. But even throughout the film, I'm scratching my head because there's Richard Dreyfus after his encounter with the with the first UFO, and he's got the shaving foam and he's he's building <laughs> something, and then the mashed potato and all of this, and I'm like, what? I'm, I'm kept looking at Ray, and he's like, stick with it, stick yeah. with it. <laughs> so it intrigued me, you know, and I've. That intrigue has obviously been lost mm. in, in future viewings, which is a shame because one of mine and Charlie's big sort of things was we're quite envious of people that haven't seen certain movies because they're in for such a treat. You know, if you haven't seen this particular classic movie or whatever, or we're so jealous because you're going to love it. Um, I'm never going to recreate that first watch of this movie because like, I watch it now and I watch this quite often. And it's like, yeah, well, I know what that means now, or I know what that's leading to, or why he's behaving that way. Do you know what struck me most on this viewing? What, <laughs> what an unsympathetic bitch Richard Dreyfuss's wife is. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, yeah even, she's, um, it is a weird relationship. But even if... You know, that was your husband, your wife, whatever. And they started displaying bizarre symptoms like that. You would be genuinely concerned for their mental well-being in this yeah, day not, and age. Not pack the kids in the car no, and fuck off. <laughs> you, would, you, would be, you would know that they, your husband is in the shower, fully clothed at three o'clock in the morning. You'd know he was desperately ill. Um, yeah. And, and she's just a whining bitch, basically. I didn't realise how much Terry Gar was so so hateful in this until watching it this time round. She was in something else we've reviewed recently, isn't she? She was in Tootsie. She was in Tootsie, yes. Yeah, she's yeah, in Young Frankenstein yeah, as well, isn't she? And uh, Yes, as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, I recognise that lady. Yeah. <laughs> Again, one of the faces of sort of 70s Hollywood, wasn't she? She was always mm. in lots and lots of stuff. But considering um, we just reviewed um, American Graffiti, yeah, which is, what, four years before this? Yeah. Richard Dreyfus seems to have aged about 10, 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> I think Richard Dreyfus was probably about 30 when he made American Graffiti anyway, and I think that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. I don't think but, he was actually a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he looked, I suppose because he was clean-shaven or whatever, but he looked so much younger. And I'm like, either you've had a really hard four years. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at him in Jaws, which was before this. You know, yeah. He looks mid-30s, actually he looks 40s. But, um, yeah, no, he was he was de-aged, wasn't he, for American graffiti? <laughs> de-aged? De-aged. Is that a word? He is now. <laughs> That's what they did to Robert De Niro in The Irishman. They de-aged him, didn't they? <laughs> Well, only there's no CGI involved. They just um, slicked his hair back and gave him a shave. That was that was how you, how you de-age Richard Dreyfus. Watch Mr. Holland's Opus. He goes from twenty to seventy in that movie. Oh, Jesus, great film, great film, Mr. Holland's Opus. Um, this this time round, come on. Did you notice anything this time round? I mean, how often have you seen it? Is it something right. you turn to very often? Can I say now? Yeah, that. This was like a first time watch for me because like I I did not remember anything from when I I think I've only seen this twice once being yesterday and the other one when I was no, 10 years old. You're joking. This is one I go to every couple of years. I love no. it. Right, okay. The floor is yours. I'm handing this podcast over to you for the next 30 minutes, mate. Tell us all about it. Tell us. <laughs> well, I'm in agreement with what you said about when you first watched it. Like when someone's saying to you, stick with it, mm. stick with it. I didn't have that person sitting next to me <laughs> saying stick with it. So you didn't remember and nothing about it. So it was you're watching this yesterday and it's like, why are those planes in the desert? What's going on in India? Yep. Why Why yep. has he got the shaving foam? You, so you'd forgotten all about Devil's Tower and all of that business? Uh, absolutely. Right. I All I knew about this film was the tune <laughs> and there was aliens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So got into it blind. First time watch. 
I'm, I'm hoping you're going to say you loved it because I know you like your sci-fi, but go on. The first half of the film, I really didn't care for. Um, there was bits in it when they saw the lights and the aliens or the ships, but a lot of that story, especially of Richard Dreyfus and his family and those bloody annoying kids. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first scene when that kid, when when he's at the uh, model railway table and the oh, kid's yeah. in the background in the play cot, smashing shit out of this doll. Uh, <laughs> and you just really, I wanted to shout at him from here. Did you notice how much one of them really looked like Richard Dreyfus? It's because uh, it's Richard Dreyfus. It son. was his son. You did spot that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But this is the thing Spielberg does well: is the the dysfunctional family or the the non nuclear family, as it were. You know, there's a lot yeah. of divorced families like ET, or the, you know, there's always something. The family bit he does really well. Look at the family life in Jaws, or in particular mm. ET. You know. Um, yeah, I I did struggle immensely with the first probably hour. hour was it dragging for you? Is that what you're saying? Was it? Yeah, yeah you, definitely. You just dragging. wanted you wanted the bright lights, didn't you, mate? That's what you wanted. I I just wanted, <laughs> as you probably did when you first watched it, I wanted the story to get there, mm. to to get to where it was going a little quicker than <laughs> what it actually did. Yeah. Um. I I don't think. Say if you remade this today, which you could and you'd make it look absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I think any director that took this on today would shorten the build-up to it and perhaps make the communication and that a little bit longer Mm. and different. I, I don't think they'd stick with the amount of time and diluted story it took to get there. I'm going to say to you, if you were to in a year's time, yeah, but I, I'm you would actually change your opinion on that hold up bit because it is fascinating the way it is all pieced together. You know, because you know you're going to get to the spaceships eventually if you watch it again next year, right? I, mm. I, just, I just think that you'll be watching that and thinking, actually, this is a a good movie leading up to a better movie. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's your attention span can be a bit short on certain films. We know that. We, we... Sorry, <laughs> See what I mean? So, um, we, we know your likes in movies. We've always said, and it probably likes and he likes what he knows. And I don't know. It's, it, it's, a, it's a long-ass movie. Um, what version did you watch, by the way? I had one that was two hours, 12 minutes long, which I think is the special edition. Right, because there's the special edition, there was the director's cut, there was the theatrical, wasn't there? Do you remember this yeah. thing at the time? There was all these different versions that were brought out for TV and different DVD releases. I think I watched the special edition as well. Because mm. one of them you see inside the spaceship, which was that, one that Spielberg didn't want to make. That was what, that was never in the original, if I remember rightly. Mm. Um 133 minutes is the special, 135 the theatrical original, so the special edition is shorter. Yeah. 138 minutes the director's cut, which is the one I usually turn to, the director's cut, because that's the one I've got on. Oh, actually, I've got a choice of directors and special, I think, on my Blu-ray, and this time I watched the special edition. And even now I'm I'm spotting stuff that I'd never spotted before. Um, And there's still scenes missing, believe it or not. If you go online... Mm. Look up Carl Weathers, Close Encounters. Yes, I did see on the on the uh, credits on IMDb that he was in there, and I'm like, no. I, I tried my <laughs> hardest to spot him, and I didn't see him. He's a soldier or something guarding, you know, round by Devil's Tower. He's, he's mm. yeah, and there are photos of it online, of him actually being in it. Now, as you mentioned, Devil's Tower. Yeah. Right. For all intents and purposes... I thought, when I saw that, I thought, that is some really badly mocked up scene that looks like fucking Tracy Island off Blue Peter. Big plasticine model, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's real. Yes, it actually exists. And it is exactly like that. And And it still 
it yeah. still looks fake. And, and they've screened the movie there as well on, yeah. on the anniversary. They did a screening of Devil's Tower. I don't know if it was actually oh, on top brilliant. of it or at the base of it or whatever, but yeah. Oh, that would have been That would have been great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so it was a bit of a slog for you then, leading up to the last half hour. Uh, last three quarters of an hour. Okay. So, and, and I really did enjoy that bit because, again, I couldn't remember a single thing about it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the communicating bit. And mm-hmm. even when they got to Devil's Tower and were trying to break through the guards and get up to where they needed to be, um, it was really, really interesting. Extremely well done for its time. For for seventy seven to make that look the way they did, yeah, m- must have they must have used every single tool they could and every bit of expense to get it looking that way. Spielberg would have had a blank checkbook, mate, wouldn't he? I'd have thought of this. Well, point. no, no. Apparently, no. when they first gave him the go ahead, mm. two million dollars is all he had for it. He ended up in twenty million dollars. <laughs> Okay. But but that was the case of they were so far into it, they couldn't sort of say no. So they had to keep sort of uh, giving him more. There it is, but, estimated 20 but, million, yeah. yeah. But they were rewarded $306 million at the box office. Yeah, that, that just shows you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, 15 times what they paid. Yeah. yeah I think they'll settle for that. Um, yeah, yeah I... It was strange. It was almost like I'd watched two different films, one of which I didn't like at all uh, and one which I loved. See, I love that build-up. I do enjoy that build-up to it. I I would have liked it. They could have cut that by half hour and just streamlined it a bit. I understand the need for the woman doing all the drawings and him making the clay models and everything and losing it a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, quite more than a bit. But, <laughs> um, it, it just, as you said, um, it was very disjointed for a long time until it started to come together. Mm. When it started to come together is when the film actually became more enjoyable. Got you. Okay. It was me that has watched it a fair few times now. I, I enjoy the whole process. I enjoy the whole process of watching that movie. Yeah, and as you say, if I watched it again, now knowing it, I'll go, well, this has now got a purpose. But when you're watching it, it really doesn't feel like it does. And because you can't fit it all together, you're Mm. not enjoying it half as much and trying to fathom it out. Okay, no, I can see that. Yeah. We were talking about iconic pieces of music in the last episode, Pink Panther theme. (laughs) Here's another one here for you, surely. (laughs) Yeah, five notes. Yeah. <laughs> and I can remember being at school. It must have been after this aired on mm. TV. So it, I was either first year of senior school, something around then. Yeah. And, and just everyone signed about. Do, 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 do. People playing it on the pianos at school. I remember. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Every time someone had walked past the piano, someone had learnt those five notes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, where did you learn that? You know, that's. <laughs> Yeah, I can play the piano now. <laughs> yeah, that's, it was that and the entertainer, I think we were taught. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Not chopsticks. No, no, you need two people for that, did you? I can't remember. <laughs> um, uh, great film. Um, despite, you know, your sort of misgivings about the first 45 minutes or so, wherever it works out to be, did it feel like a Spielberg movie? Um, yes. Yeah, I think so. Right answer. Yeah, I I I think that when you look at ET that came after this, Mm -hmm. you you can definitely see. I mean, similarities, but in in the direction, in the effects, in obviously not in the storyline, but totally different films. But yeah, you can definitely see. It's like a, a painter having certain brush strokes. It's the family life bit, isn't it? That is a typical mm. Spielberg trope, isn't it? I think that whole family yeah. dynamic thing. Did you know that 
first up wasn't Richard Dreyfus as as Roy? Yeah, Neary. I was I was reading this of how many people were up for that role before him. There wasn't just one. Um, so Steve McQueen was the favourite. Oh, I didn't know about Steve McQueen. Yeah. He was impressed by the script, but he felt he was not right for the role as he was unable to cry on cue. There it is. It was his first choice. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Dustin Hoffman, Al Pacino and Gene Hackman all turned down the part. <laughs> Jack Nicholson turned it down because of, of scheduling conflicts. And it was Dreyfus who obviously was working with him on Jaws. Well, didn't he keep and, going on about it or something? Yeah, he, he'd read the script and because Spielberg kept speaking about this film he had coming up, Dreyfus just kept on and on hounding him for it. Oh. Saying, he's saying stuff like, Al Pacino has no sense of humour or Jack Nicholson is too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I could see... I don't know, I could see Steve McQueen doing it. Oh, I don't know. I think yeah. it'd be a really strange film for Steve McQueen to do. I could see Jack Nicholson in the role. But as, because of the as crazy said, bit. You, yeah, yeah he, he does crazy better than anyone. Mm. Um, but would he go too crazy on it? And <laughs> Pacino would have gone as well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, Pacino, I think, would have been really bad for that role. Yeah, but, he's... Uh, I think Dreyfus is probably better suited for it because he looks like the everyday man. He mm. looks like the family man that does work on, you know, the electrician or whatever is, is, is his main job. You could believe that that's, you know, that is what he does. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, the casting. I mean, there was the the famous sort of casting decisions of Jaws, wasn't there, before Robert Shaw? It was going to be, oh, blimey, I can't remember, James Coburn or... Uh, Lee Marvin or somebody like that, wasn't it? You know, there was all these big names that have always been associated with Spielberg movies. Um, and it all works out. It's all going to cast. I was going to mention, wasn't I? Robert's Blossom. Yeah, hang on. Let me get a... F oh, as the farmer. Right, the oh, guy the, that's he's the holding up the... nutty guy that said he'd also um, sin Bigfoot. That's it. And he's holding up the sign that says, stop and be friendly. And Yeah. Right, picture him... 20 years older with a big long beard. He only died. Home Alone. Yes, he's the tramp in Home Alone. <laughs> of course he, he is. But he was in lots of other stuff as well. He only died a couple of years ago. Um, and he was in loads of movies that you don't realise. And that's him. Was there... An, all right, so we, we, we know you didn't get on with the first part of the movie, but what did you like? You liked the ending. You liked the build-up to the ending. You liked the finale. Um... Special effects are pretty convincing for 77. It's, there's no, I've got no qualms with that, no quibble with that at all. Any other characters that sort of stood out? I mean, we, we've sort of decided that Terry Gar was just... A bitch. A bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Francois Truffaut, Bob Balaban, what about that double act? Yeah, yeah, they were good. And uh, Francois Truffaut... Didn't hardly speak English at all, did he? No, he didn't. That's the thing. Yeah, he's the, obviously the famous French director, uh, one of Spielberg's heroes, you know, and he got him in the movie. Um, I, I think. Mm. Sorry, I, I think the the little child who got abducted. Yes. Five years old, I believe he was when he played that. Mm -hmm. Just so natural. Yeah. Just. Just really, really good looking because I was looking where he was looking like where obviously there was some special effects supposed to be going on at the time and whatever. And when he's looking up at the ceiling, when there's something supposed to be upstairs, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And yet didn't carry on doing acting. Did he not? This is his only movie, is it? No, he'd done a few as a kid, but as soon as he became... I think it was about 12 or 13, he, he didn't do any more. He went on to go to college and get a career for himself. But, no. yeah, yeah, did seem very naturally gifted as as an actor. Again, Spielberg has this knack of picking great child actors. Look at um, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, yeah. Um, whether it is the talented kids or his method of directing them, I'm not sure, but certainly mm. are convincing. Didn't he do... What was AI... 
Haley Joel Osment as well, wasn't it? You know, oh, it, was that him? Yeah, yeah. Well, a uh, Kubrick movie originally, but when Kubrick died, Spielberg finished it. Oh, right, okay. Mm. Have you seen that? I have, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, you, like me, have seen a fair few Spielberg movies, from yeah. Jurassic Park to Jaws to uh, Schindler's List, whatever they may be. Where does this rank amongst the Spielberg movies for you, mate? Is it have you got a favourite Spielberg movie? Because you know mine's Jaws all the, all the way through. But um, do you know what he, he's done so many? I'd probably have to look at a list to tell you, um, because it, there might be a movie on there that I didn't realise was Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> this was probably the first time or the first movie after Jaws that I, I knew he'd done, and it might even be the first movie after Jaws. I think um, it is, isn't it? When was 1941? Was that? <laughs> year after 1941. Yeah, no, the, the one that really flopped. Um, yeah, that was around... Might have been after this, I think. Yeah. Ooh, I'm just looking down a list. Yeah. Um, Catch Me If You Can, I really like. Oh, right, okay. That's a, yeah... Not a typical Spielberg movie, if I was going to... No, no, Saving Private Ryan. Oh, bloody hell. (laughs) Whenever people asked who my favourite director was, I'd always say Steven Spielberg. But, you know, as I've got older and I've learnt to, to, you know, like other directors and discover directors, Mm. I I find it difficult to to actually pick a favourite director now. Um but you can't deny that this man's output is something incredible, isn't oh, it? Good. Indiana Jones. Yeah, now, he, did he write he wrote three, didn't he? Yeah, or four? Four. I think it's been four now, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Terminal, which I thought was a fantastic film. Is that the one in the airport with Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks and Catherine Zeta-Jones? Catherine Zeta-Jones, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really sort of touching film, that one. I only watched it the once. Yeah. Munich, Jaws, Amistad, Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, War Horse. Um, he's doing his first musical this year, West Side Stories, remaking. Oh, now I like West Side Story. I do like me musicals, yeah. but how's that going to pan out? Well, I'm sure it's the original songs. Yeah, good. I don't Nightmare. know if it's been updated. I think it may still be 60s and the Jets and the Sharks. I hope it is. I it's hope. 50s, yeah. Yeah, I hope it is, um, you know, um, of, of the period. But Yes, yeah, because, yeah, you could bring it up to date, but no, nah, just a remake of the original should, should be good. Ah, oh, fuck me, I've forgotten. No, I know my favourite <laughs> uh, Spielberg film now. Go on. <laughs> Back to the Future. He didn't direct it. He only produced it. Robert well, he didn't say directed. Oh, no, directed. Let's go directed. If you were going to the production, mate, there's another million. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Goonies as well. I'd, I'd always say Poltergeist was one of my favourites, but he never directed it. But it's, it's certainly got his fingerprints all over it, you know. Gremlins? Didn't direct that either. Oh, well. Produced it, then. yeah. Because <laughs> it's all Amblin Entertainment. He's, yeah, he's his production he company. Is, it, all right, if we go, he's been involved in <laughs> so many great films from late, well, from early seventies oh, through. Have today. you seen Jewel, the first one, the TV movie with Dennis Weaver about the truck chasing the driver? No. Yeah, I, I like it, but I think you'll go. Oh, that's dated. I, I do know that from mm. trivia quizzes that mm. that was his first film. Well, but, it was a TV uh, thing that he done, like movie of the week, and it got mm. it got a theatrical release, so it sort of counts. Yeah, um, you would find it so slow. You, you, you'd be waiting for the action scenes to happen. Oh, okay. It'd, it'd be similar to this. It would be. You'd, you'd yeah. But a director, there's only fifty only fifty seven directing credits, right? Jesus Christ. Um, We've sort of missed out the colour purple. Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. How's, how's that for a run? Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., then the Temple of Doom. That's um, that's not a bad run of films, not is it? Not a bad run. Always I like with Richard Dreyfus. Seen mm, that? Don't know that I have, no. Uh, Audrey Hepburn's last role. Richard Dreyfus is a pilot that dies 
but comes yeah. back as a ghost and he's watching over his girlfriend played by Holly Hunter. I might have seen that, actually, mm. now that you say that. Yeah, I mean, he directed that War of the Worlds thing with Tom Cruise. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't overly keen no, on that. No, I had a lot of high hopes for that, and it was just a bit disappointing. Uh, Ready Player One, which I didn't see. You must have seen that. I have seen that, yeah. and it's actually surprisingly good. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Is it okay for me with the the cultural references and things like that? Is that what sort of appealed to you? Because there's a lot of 80s cultural references, isn't Is that right? I don't know too much there, about it. There is, yeah. There are a lot of gaming references. Um, yeah, I, I found it thoroughly entertaining. Loads of, obviously it's mainly CGI, mm. but obviously some real life as well. But yeah, it's, it's well worth a watch. You won't finish it and go, well, that was a load of shit. You might, <laughs> you, you might not like it as much as I did, but yeah, it's, it's, it's entertaining. I've got to watch uh, it for the sort of completionist part of me. You know, it's a Spielberg I haven't seen, so I need to see it. There's, there's not many of his I haven't seen. I still haven't seen Lincoln. I need to be in the right frame of mind for that, I think. I, I just keep thinking of Lincoln Vampire Hunter or whatever. <laughs> oh, Abraham Lincoln the Vampire, yeah, that came out a couple of years ago, yeah. When we come to review this, which we will do now, I think, I'm going to have to ask you for two different ratings. Uh, mm. One for the movie as a whole, and, and yeah. one for the second half of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're you, not wrong there. If you were to rate like, the second half of the movie, what would you give it? I'd probably give it a nine. Brilliant for the last half of the movie. You very rarely give a nine or anything <laughs> above a six. So, <laughs> <laughs> but on the whole, then your enjoyment factor out of ten as a the whole movie. Mm, seven and a half. Oh, that's still eight. good. That is still bloody good for you. Uh, it's, that's more than I was expecting. That's good. Five star across the board for me. Yeah, I can understand it. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not in love with that first half. Hmm. Um, perhaps, as you say, on further watches, I'll, I'll get to it. Will grow on me. You'll get to love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't give it less than five stars. It's, it's a Spielberg movie. It's one of my favourite directors. Done my fa- one of my favourite movies of all time, and I, t- I just loved it. it. It got me at the right point in my me- life as well. You know, I was like eleven years old or whatever it may have been. Like, this is fantastic. You know, this is a great movie, and I try not to watch it too often now because otherwise the shine comes off of it a bit if you watch it too mm. often. So every couple of years, like you, I couldn't leave it thirty, forty years like you just did. But I'll probably go back to that now. I've, I've had my fill of it for a while now. I'll, I'll go back to it in about three or four years' time. Watch it again. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch it in a year or two and and hope that the first bit doesn't get on my nerves and I don't just skip until halfway through. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps you could do a rewatch round here on the projector and watch it on a bigger screen as well. That might make a wee bit of difference as well. Having the... Yeah, I, I mean, the qual- quality of the copy I had was absolutely fantastic mm. and and much better than i thought it was going to be and obviously the these where these were filmed for hollywood they were all filmed well they didn't know it back then as hd but <laughs> they were all filmed with extreme quality weren't they well they're filmed on film aren't they back then it's not mm. digital at all um mm. it's just these new for, well, your new TV must make all the difference to anything you watch at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, if you've got anything in like reasonable quality, it does... Upscale or whatever ups, they do. Upscale, that's the word. I was going to yeah, say upgrade, but yeah. upscale is the word. Yeah, so it does make everything look very, very good. Yeah, I mean, I watched it on Blu-ray on my... It's only a 40-inch TV in here, but I, I couldn't be asked to get the projector I sorted last night. I thought, you know what, no, I'll just watch it. And the picture quality is always better on the TV than the projector because it's projecting onto a piece of cloth, basically. So yeah. it's never going to be as, as crystal clear as a, a Blu-ray screen. And I just loved it. It was it was fantastic. I just remembered like years of owning it on VHS mm-hmm. and watching that VHS copy, you know. And it's great to see some of these movies that we grew up with as kids in a different different light, almost, you know. So I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I thought it would have got you right from the beginning, though. I thought you'd have been gripped. 
Mm. No, but I can see why. I can see why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should we take a little break and uh, should we announce the next two movies that we're going to be reviewing? We can try. Oh, let's have a look. We've got to go and <laughs> take a break and work <laughs> out what we're actually going to do. See you, <laughs> see you after this. <laughs> and now, preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. Okay, what we're watching next time, or the next two episodes, because we're recording two episodes in a night, and I'm assuming we're going to be in lockdown as well, mate, when we next get together, so we may have to do these two over Skype again. Yep. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first with mine? Um, I'm going to go first, Okay. and I'm going to go back to 1976. We seem to have done quite a few 70s just lately. Yeah, it's nice. Um, it's, it's, it's good to do a few 70s movies. Stinking Paul's did loads of 70s movies before. Mm. Um, it's a real treasure trove of great films, actually, that, that decade. Um, so it's a Stephen King film. Excellent. And it, surprisingly enough, is classed as a horror. This is strange for you. Yeah, go on. <laughs> for, for me, if anyone knows my love of horror films. You hate them. Um... <laughs> It is the original Carrie. Brian De Palma. Directed very young John Travolta. Very young Sissy Spacek. Mm. I love Carrie. Seen the remake? I have. It's okay. (laughs) Actually, there's two remakes, isn't there? I I think the only plus side you could say about the remake is it's introducing younger people to a classic film yeah it was remade I'm sure it was remade about 1990 as well might have been a director TV a director video or something or a TV movie right um, but it's generally forgotten we might have to look that up do a little bit of research yeah. before we get to um, my choice for you this one I'm pretty sure you'll be alright with you like coming to America didn't you I did you like trading places yeah, you like American. I see it. Yeah, I see an Eddie Murphy film coming up. No, 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 no. You like American Werewolf oh. in London? Yeah. Director, same sort of stable as Steven Spielberg. You know that era of the new Hollywood throughout the seventies and the eighties. It's John Landis. It's nineteen eighty. We're going to do the Blues Brothers. Oh, you are a fucking legend. <laughs> <laughs> it has been hanging over us for years that movie do you know what <laughs> I, I thought of it in the week because I thought what can we do that's <laughs> light hearted in this t- depressing <laughs> frustrating time I know we'll do Carrie <laughs> uh, yeah and I, I almost chose it and I thought no it's a really big one to do should it's, we do that it needs to be done mate doesn't it oh God, I could talk about that film for hours. Excellent. I haven't seen it for a long time, but it's one of, again, it's one of them ones that I had on VHS and I think, you know, wore the copy out. I've got, yeah, I had the vinyl, I had the cassette. I think I've got it on CD. Uh, yeah, I've, I used to have the DVD of Blues Brothers and Blues Brothers 2000. I haven't seen 2000. Uh, um, don't. No, no, I've heard. <laughs> I watched it once. <laughs> And do you know what? I don't even know if I've actually got a copy of this on DVD or Blu-ray. definitely haven't got it on Blu-ray. So I may have to be getting in touch with Amazon over the next couple I, of days. I am so happy you chose that. <laughs> We've got a couple of crackers there, mate. That's Yeah, they're very, very different films as well. well you can certainly say that. Um, Carrie Fisher's in the Blues Brothers, which I always forget. And, of course, you're going to get Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles and all that. Twiggy. Twiggy? Twiggy, not Twiggy. Um, <laughs> it's not Twiggy. It's uh, what model was in it? Um, in the Blues Brothers? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to... It's certainly not Twiggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay, we'll, cut, so we'll cut that bit. <laughs> so the Blues Brothers, starring Twiggy, 
John Belushi. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll cut that. Unless it's Carrie Fisher, I'm thinking of. It no, might... Twiggy's Twiggy's in it. Is she? Chic lady. Oh my god. So there you go. I... <laughs> this is making it even more interesting when we get to it. Then I'm, I'm looking forward to it another notch. Right. Blues Brothers, Carrie. Yeah, I'm happy with that. We'll decide what order we're going to do them in later, shall we? Yeah, definitely. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. If a little bit strange sitting here for the last two episodes in lockdown with you. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. This, <laughs> this strange times, strange times, but we're going to keep going as long as we can. Recorded over Skype, mate. Okay, Paul, thanks for being there, mate, and I'll see you next time. See you later. Ta-da, mate. The management of this theater suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture, you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending. Master arms, that infernal jamboree is worse than two cats on a fence. You dudes get lost now, you hear? Good night, ladies. Good night, sir. When you fail down, try positive thinking. That's what I told the man said. Don't wear a frown. Try positive thinking. Laugh at your troubles instead. You've got to look on the bright side. On hope so much depends. With your confidence sinking. Positive thinking helps you on the way, my friend. When things look black, try positive thinking. Treat every season as spring. No glancing back, try positive thinking. Trust what tomorrow may bring. This crazy world that we live in will keep on spinning round. But with good, strong, positive thinking, We'll get together and life won't let us down. Shut up, you ugly bitch. Oh, shut up, we enjoy it.